The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language, politics, a platypus, disturbing sexual imagery, adult themes, and quite a few uses of the word cunt. Sunday, the 12th of November, 2023. In this episode, I am joined once more by my good friend Snarky Platypus to discuss everything from British sitcom Peep Show to Digital Nomads, and from this week's Optus failure to Duran Duran. We also talk about white Australia's attitude to multiculturalism. They want our food so badly, but they don't want the actual people, right? That's the truth, right? Mr. Platypus expresses an opinion on the Sydney suburb of Vaucluse. There's no transport to the area. <laughs> kind of, you know, it's full of obnoxious people. And we even discuss astrology. So we know that Virgo is a cunt. Hello, I'm still Gary, and this is the 9pm Hungry Like the Wolf in Bali, virtually, with Snarky Platypus. Well, welcome to the edict once more, Snarky Platypus. Thank you. Uh, so what's been happening in your week? Yeah, so I mean, so I've, I've started job hunting again, so um, it's been a while since I've worked. It's an interesting challenge, and I guess if if any of your listeners can help, I mean that would be useful. Also, um, if um any of your listeners are, are hiring managers, um, I'm not like this when I'm working, so kind of <laughs> 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 just ignore this, you know. Yes, there are reasons why we don't say your actual name yes. on this on this yes. podcast. It's all cool. Uh, what kind of work? What kind of work? A few key words. Uh, we um, should say research, policy, public service, bureaucracy. compliance, risk. Regulatory. Regulatory. Okay. And a lot of your work has been in the financial services industry, but I believe that can just fuck right off. Yeah. I mean, kind of, um, so a job ad for that did come up this week and I did, yeah, I was thinking, yeah, maybe maybe time to move on from that. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. There you go. I mean, uh, yeah, one, one does reach certain um, inflection points. Yes. Thresholds. In, in one's life. Yes. And how was your week? Well, I think the most interesting thing this week is that I've had a cat become fascinated with watching me take a piss. So it's like trough cat. <laughs> well, no, the cat isn't actually in the trough, but it turns out that this cat, her name is Stevie. Hi, Stevie. There she is over there. Oh, I'm cat-sitting this week, by the way, dear listener. Um she has not met many cis men in her life. She's mostly live in houses which are shared. Oh, well, she's lucky. She's very lucky. <laughs> she's very lucky. <laughs> Indeed. So most of the, the places she's lived are, you know, women, trans men. Yeah. Uh, so there's not a lot of, lot, a lot of penis happening here. And she has been intrigued when I go into the bathroom to, to take a leak. She's coming. There's a little sideboard next to the, the, the toilet mm -hmm. and she – Sits on that, but then leans forward with her front feet on the rim of the toilet and watches the splash action happening uh, as the stream goes down. I mean, it's not much of a stream at my age, but it's – so that's that's my week. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, more seriously, uh, I've ended up paying a lot of attention to the Optus dramas. Of course. You, you may have heard about yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I won't spend too much time on it here because I did a whole podcast about this on Friday, the Vertical Hold podcast with Adam Turner and Alex Kidman. It's on the Edit channel, but look up um, Vertical Hold because it's a really good 
Friday summary of the tech stuff in Australia by two people who can't possibly take things seriously, um, and I've known them forever. Um, but I will – I kind of want to mention a few things that we didn't get into. Now, here's the CEO of Optus. Now, this is uh, Kelly Bayer-Rosmarin. Uh, this is this – is, well, I say CEO of Optus uh, at time of recording. Um, <laughs> uh, here, here she is the other day. Look, all I can say is that we understand and we're deeply sorry. We know how important it is for our customers to be connected. And that's why we've put in place uh, this thank you for our customers, where we really want to give them something that they will value, that demonstrates how much we care, how sorry we are. But is that a replacement for any compensation or refunds? Peter, this impact was something we didn't want. We tried to go for something that was of much greater value than simply refunding people for one day of their service. We didn't think that that was enough. Okay, so what they're actually giving people – and look, okay, her point is if they refunded one day of their mobile phone or whatever, so that's one-thirtieth of what you're paying a month. So, yeah, it's going to be a couple of bucks, right? And no one's going to be happy with that. But – if if it's fucked your business up, yeah. What about what about business clients? <laughs> well, the, 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 we have yet to hear how business customers will be affected. But quite often, people run their business on a personal account. Now, that's course, a, yeah. that's yeah. another whole thing. But uh, what they're offering so far is that if you're on a postpaid account, you will get 200 gig extra of data this month and next, or maybe it's just the one, but you have to ask for it. And if you're on a prepaid um, uh, mobile account, uh, you'll get free data each weekend till the end of the year. Yeah, but if it, but but if you're torrent, unless you're torrenting a lot of porn, it's not going to really matter. For- well, get your well. Now you have to have an existing Optus account. If you are, if you're on an Optus mobile, the next few weekends are when you hit Pornhub or hit the torrents. Yeah, until. <laughs> You block the whole thing up and it all falls over again. Um, okay, so, yeah, I, I don't think she's read the room, but I do want to mention a few things. First, I enjoyed the cat story. Do you know about this one? Yeah, I do, yes. Sir. Okay, well, I'm going to tell the listener anyway and you can sit there and Excellent. enjoy it. Yeah. So a woman uh, phoned ABC Sydney Radio on Thursday. Uh, she found out about the Optus outage from her cat. Uh, because her cat has an automatic Wi-Fi feeder connected to Optus, uh, and when breakfast wasn't delivered at 6.10am, the cat went to the bedroom to lodge a complaint with management. They're they're direct. (laughs) They are. Second, I've enjoyed some of the stupid takes in the so-called mainstream media, Um, because everyone suddenly became an instant fucking expert on how to run a national telecommunications company at the technical level. And I think that because, I mean, you could do it, I'm sure. Anyone can, really. Andrew Elder, who is uh, a critic of, of modern reportage, said he can't wait for Parnell McGuinness or James Morrow or whoever to poop out 600 words on how maybe Optus subscribers just don't have anything worthwhile to communicate anyway. Well, I mean, they would be wrong, but... <laughs> That's a little cruel. <laughs> and, and then there's some other Optus news. Uh, yeah, I'm going to just power through this. Uh, you may remember that last year Optus... Uh, just managed to pull off the 
the biggest data breach in Australia's history, breaching around just 10 million people's personal details. That was impressive. It was impressive. I mean, um, I mean, Australia, well, yeah, Australia's second biggest telco, right? Is yeah. It, yeah. Oh, at, at time of recording. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, this week we had the news that they have lost a federal court case to keep a report on what happened secret. So apparently to, to help them figure out what, what the fuck went wrong and why they got breached so substantially is they got Deloitte to do a report. You know, come in, do it, find out why. Uh, so they have been trying to keep this secret under legal privilege to stop it becoming evidence in a federal mm. court case for compensation. Uh, well, bad luck, kids at Optus. <laughs> That's going to be in evidence. And uh, look, all right, the federal court may, you know, uh, redact certain sections for confidentiality, but there's going to be an incredibly strong um, public interest case for the court making that document public. I mean, I mean, I agree with that, but I mean, um, I think given the history of um, of um, big, big um, Australian companies and kind of so CBA, right? In kind of Commonwealth Bank of Australia. Yeah, yeah. so they've got. He's really worked in financial services. Can't yeah. You? <laughs> Anyone outside would say Combank. <laughs> Sorry, but um. They've gone through a lot of big dramas recently, but kind of, um, but they're still making record profits now. I think, you know, kind of. Uh, the bank, this is we're talking about, not Optus. Yes, but given the structure of Australian industries generally, kind of, um, I think bad behaviour doesn't necessarily. It's not a. It's not, it's not a hit to your profit, kind of. You know. Well, apparently not. Um, even after uh, all the problems uh, Optus had with their dramas last year, yep. their, their, you know, their revenue's been up one percent. Yep. Um, you know, at time of recording brackets, we haven't heard how this affected thing. That was the third thing. The fourth thing, though, and I, this is gossip. I have it via I have it via a reasonably reliable chain. Apparently, Ms. Bayras Marin uh, didn't understand why a business like a barber would need the internet, and so why are they complaining? Okay. Shall I shall I spell it out for the listener? Yeah, I think. You okay. Okay, a barber is, of course, uh, in their shop cutting people's hair. They need, if they're a bit upmarket, to take bookings, which you mean you need to call them or they have a, uh, a website and you book there. Secondly, they need to take your payment, for which they have some sort of card processing terminal. And whether that's like a Square terminal or maybe it's Tyro Payments or someone else, that connects via the internet to the mothership. And in many cases, these, these terminals have their own uh, you know, 4G SIM in them, they, and that cost is bundled into the monthly fee for using that payment system. Um, so even if Optus offers you 200 gig free data, um, great, your mobile payment terminal uses nothing like that. <laughs> And you couldn't take payments on the day, and so the you know the idea that a person who runs one of the nation's telecommunications companies doesn't understand that small businesses of every type use the internet. Uh, I mean, given Australia's robust defamation laws, in your opinion, based on the knowledge you have, what impression would you get of her 
level of competence for performing her job, he says, extremely carefully. Well, I mean, I guess explaining from um, a personal perspective. So, you know, um, on on literally on the day of the Optus outage, so I was buying some skincare products online, right? So, um, <laughs> of course yeah, you yeah, were. Yeah, well, oh, yes, yeah. I mean, it's a recent, yeah, a recent official. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, but um, so, yeah, no, so, so I tried to use my debit card, right, on the site. Mm. It didn't work, right? Yeah. But then I tried, I tried my credit card, it was fine. Because it took a different path yeah. somehow. But clearly it was a sign and kind of, yeah, that there was an outage from, yeah, and kind of a, I mean, yeah, it's clear that it affected businesses in a more significant way than kind of a lot of these executives would realise. And kind of, um, and like, there were a lot of small businesses complaining on the ABC, blah, 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 you know, and kind of like- Are they small businesses? Of course they're fucking complaining. complaining. But they do have a little bit of a point here, kind of like, you know, kind of, um, but but to me, it's not indicative of that kind of- um. Small businesses need to consider what is your backup plan if your primary mm. telecommunications provider is down, right? You know, how will you process payments? You know, the fact is we are moving to a, a you know, a, a cashless environment, right? So kind of what's your plan if you can't take cashless payments with a certain provider? So, yeah. That's interesting because up in the Blue Mountains, which is where I'm based, taxi drivers have to take payments, duh, Um and it can be patchy because it's mountainous terrain. Most of the taxi drivers have two card payment devices in their taxis connected to two different systems. So if one doesn't work, they'll run your card payment on the other. And if that doesn't work, because it's village life, they know where you live. <laughs> so and and it sounds like a very good strategy to me. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's there. Like there's. You know, there's not many of the drivers, and after a while, they know all the regulars personally, uh, and it becomes a, a thing. Now, there are four things. I want to finish on one last thing about this, and this is the best bit for me. Uh, this is uh, from uh, Nathan Jolly, who is the editor of Mumbrella. All right. He has found out. Well, he he wrote a wonderful thing on Saturday uh, in his column at Mumbrella, um, where he talks through all of the communications disasters of this. But he says, do you know what was going on as well on Wednesday when Optus went down? An expensive photo shoot at her $15 million Vaucluse mansion for an architectural magazine. Uh, The Daily Mail apparently reported that, quote, a fleet of vehicles brought in luxury items like throws, shrubbery and furniture so that they could do this photo shoot for an architectural magazine. And, oh, my God, you can't cancel that just because the country's second biggest telco has fallen over and you just happen to be the CEO. Yeah, I mean... mean so did she especially import these? These like well, I don't know whether I don't know whether well, not import is a bit strong, but they were trucked in so that they yeah. could create lovely photographs of the mansion. Apparently, according to the Daily Mail. Hey, can I relate a personal anecdote here? Oh, yes, I think I know what this is going to be. No, so when I was a child, kind of. You know, oh, okay, it's no, not no, what I thought. I really wanted to live in Vaucluse for some reason, but um. Okay. Yeah. And then you grew up. Yeah. Like, there's no transport to the area. <laughs> kind of, you know, it's full of obnoxious people. Well, so of course of, it is. Yes, so kind of, what's the actual, like, I've been of all clues recently, like, semi-recently, kind of like, you know, kind of like, what is what is the point to the actual area? Kind of, you know? I, I had a, a, 
shall I tell this? Yeah, it's a long, a long yep. time ago. Um, well, not that long ago, but enough. I had a client in Vaucluse when I, when, when I was doing a lot of IT support and whatever, and she ran a business from home, whatever. And I went up there to sort out stuff. Uh, but it was late in the afternoon. But then she said, "Oh, we need to finish up soon because I, uh, my, I, I need to drive my son to soccer practice." Yeah. And when like her son comes in and going, he's a big strapping sixteen-year-old lad. And fuck, he can find his own fucking way to soccer practice. You know, I mean. It's- but it's also a long way from everything. This is part of the problem, right? All clues, yeah. It's just really annoying to get to. Like, like yeah. literally one or two buses which go there, right? It well, that's of, how I got there. Yeah. And there's like, and like, there's no real commercial area. You know, no. There are no restaurants. There's maybe oh, a, there cafe, a cafe or two. Uh, well, you could, you could have one of the famed lattes of the eastern suburbs. I mean, they're so unusual. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair point. Fair point. Um, okay, but uh, for Ms. Bayer Rosemarin of Optus, a score zero to five stars. One? One star. One star to this remarkable woman running Optus. Now, Mr. Platypus, Snarky Platypus, uh, this is your first topic. Would you like to introduce it, or shall I play the first grab? Maybe just play the maybe just play the first grab just for the viewers' kind of reaction to it. I think the it listeners, might be. Uh, if you want if you want video, I'll put a camera. up. I said listeners. No, you said viewers. I'm sure they're listeners. No, I'll play it back. Right, you said okay. viewers. Oh, okay. Anyway, anyway, uh, I'll just play it. Hey guys, so we're here in Bali, Indonesia, and in today's video, we're gonna be asking digital nomads what they do for a living. Bali's one of the biggest hubs for remote workers, and we'll be going to a couple different locations today, finding really cool and interesting people to talk to. We'll be asking questions like, how much money do you make? What do you actually do for a living? Advice for aspiring digital nomads, and more. I'm super excited for today's video, so let's go. What's your name, age, and what do you do for a living? My name is Kaya, I'm 22, I'm from Australia, and I do social media management for OnlyFans Girls. Okay, how'd you get into that? My sister, she started in industry yeah. when she got into it i got into it as well and then yeah. they also wanted more like talent manager role sort okay. of thing so i kind of help out with that as well okay so if someone wants to do that and work remotely what advice would you give them i think there's a lot of agencies out there so reach out see if they need any help or if you're familiar in the field if you're a female i think it's quite easy to get into the industry obviously because you know for more for that demographic but yeah i don't know just be proactive and ask what more you can do or like how you can develop your skills how long have you been in bali for now i think this is like my fourth or fifth month what's the best part about living here the tax for australians yeah. if i don't have any major assets like rental properties over there yeah. if i'm outside of the country for more than six months of the year then i don't need to pay tax to australia and the tax here is only like 2.5 percent whoa what's the best piece of advice that someone told you to have an abundance mindset whenever i like give out information or like you know even like money friends and family it always comes back to me tenfold don't be greedy don't try and hide the secrets i think just like give it out spread love and that's the best thing we can do what's your hot take i think a lot of nomads will say this but like don't go down the traditional route i definitely didn't think i was going to be in like the adult industry when i was older and i would never guess that in a million years but here i am and i would never have the lifestyle that i do without it and i think some people might judge but you die anyway so just do whatever you want at the end of the day what's your biggest marketing hack or secret tiktok loves asian females if i was going to market myself i think that's a really big niche because i'm asian and I'm female. So I think diving into your specific niche and just exploiting it that way is the best way. Would you be willing to share how much money you make? This month, profit is about 50k. This is my best month though. That's amazing. Okay, so firstly, she's not just doing OnlyFans marketing. (laughs) Kind of 
no one earns that amount of money just doing like you know social media stuff. Like I, I don't know. I mean, all right, fifty thousand dollars profit a month and her best month. It depends how many people she's handling as a. So yeah, yeah, right. I, you're right. No. <laughs> you're an Asian. You'll work it. <laughs> kind of being, being 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 of Asian background myself, I can kind of you know, there's a market for it. So kind of you know, like whatever, like you know, I I mean, I'll just clarify now, like you know, I I have no issue with you know adult adult no adult industry sex industry yeah. is fine. Whatever, it. it's fine. It's yeah. it's, it's yeah. perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, just work. But but also thirdly, kind of. The taxing, like really kind of like, you know, kind of, a, I mean, I guess because Bali has no infrastructure really, you know, kind of, you know, um, it's really hard to get around, right? You know, kind of just really- Because of 2% tax. Yeah. My family background is from Indonesia, so I'm quite familiar with, I guess, the uh, the economic kind of environment there. But but tax is quite low in those areas generally, like in Bali or even in Java. Look, being a digital nomad is a thing. We, we have a friend who's done that. Um, but shall we say in not the adult industry, in, in, in other aspects. And it's a thing. And, you know, you can do your work from anywhere in the 21st yeah. century. It's a great thing. Uh, we're recording this podcast at a friend's house while I'm cat-sitting. Um, I've recorded podcasts at the pub. I've live-streamed stuff into the ABC from a pub live. It's a thing. I want to talk briefly about the guy who made that video. Like, I have linked, dear yep. listener, as always, to everything we refer to. There's too many links on the podcast webpage. But this is from a 20-minute video from a guy called Charlie Chang. And let me just read his, his bio from YouTube. I'm a 31-year-old entrepreneur based in Southern California. I run multiple businesses ranging from media channels to affiliate marketing to a recruitment agency. In the past, I've done modeling, photography, tutoring, and pretty much every side hustle under the sun. Brackets. Dear listener, would that include the adult industry? It's fine if it does, but just fucking say it, boy. I make videos about, here we go, personal finance, earning money online, investing, productivity, real estate and entrepreneurship. I'm a huge proponent of self-employment and building up multiple streams of income. If this interests you, please subscribe to my channel to learn more. Yeah, so my response to that, firstly, kind of, it's a very US kind of attitude to kind of, I guess, yeah, yeah, and it, it is. It's it's it can, everything's it, everything's about it, making money. Yep, yeah, economic productivity, right? Kind of, um, mm-hmm. and and I'm sure his parents are very disappointed because it's a very it's not a very Chinese way to make money. Really, kind of what he's. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play another grab first because uh, you first found this at a news.com.au story, I and I I dug out the YouTube video, and I will say I watched the whole video earlier today, and I hate. Everyone involved. Charlie Chang himself is, well, he's worked as a model. He's relatively handsome. He clearly spends a lot of time at the gym. But fuck, he's annoying. Um, any, anyway, the news.com.au story uh, spoke to, to someone else, uh, a, a bloke called Ethan. Um, he's not wearing a shirt. He does have a neatly trimmed beard. Here is Ethan's story. 
What's your name, age, and what do you do for a living? My name's Ethan, I'm 21, and I do OnlyFans growth. How'd you get into that? Before this, we were in the e-commerce space doing a lot of digital marketing, and mm. one day had an idea, saw a gap in the market for marketing, thought we could market models the same way, caught up a few friends, ran the idea by them, and then got started. Do you have advice for someone that wants to do something similar? Absolutely. Number one, everything's online. Find something that's online, test the concept, and then take action. Most people are scared to take that first move. But that's what it's all about. Once you start building that momentum, maintain that momentum. My favorite quote, success loves speed. Now, I want to jump in here. I, look, I don't think there's only success that loves speed here, mate. Have you noticed how most of the people Charlie talks to and pretty much everyone in these entrepreneurial coaching videos, he says, slowing down his voice to a conversational pace, they talk in a rapid gabble, don't they? It's always it this- could be, but it's kind of, it could be a TikTok generational thing. Yeah, I think so because um, yeah, I think it's well, there is a performance aspect to it. it kind of, I, oh, it's so performative. Yeah, but yeah, it's just I don't think it's kind of indicative of what I mean. I mean, if only if it were amphetamine usage, I don't know. It could be. I don't. Who knows? Well, I mean, yeah. Look, you. I mean, you do make a point. There's there's certainly some military history podcasts I listen to and others where the presenter just feels the need to talk incredibly fast and edit out every gap between yeah. sentences and breaths and whatever, and now you can get plugins for podcast production that do that automatically. And it ends up uh, – I think it ends up just so unnatural. Anyway, um, I think I think real, we really need to go back to Ethan. Yep. So what has been the best part about living here? The people, the nightlife, the restaurants, the weather. I'm from Melbourne. Right now we're in winter. So escaping, that's been a great part. But yeah. man, the number one thing has been the people. And where do you meet other people that are cool while living abroad? Number one place, Body Factory. Best people here that are fit, that love working out, like-minded people. This has been the best place so far. What does your day-to-day -day life look like? Day-to-day, -day, wake up, work, eat, gym, work. Work, and then at night time, a bit of partying, but hopefully not too much. So yeah. a few comments on this. So firstly, <laughs> I thought you might, yeah. yeah. So firstly, only fans growth. I mean, you know, I mean. That's a legitimate industry. That's a, that's a, an actual job. <laughs> it's a euphemism, you know. If you look at Ethan, you can, you know, I mean, he looks like a late a late 20s gay porn actor. So, you know, who knows what he's going to look like in like 10 years' time. But um, Well, looking at the, the level of um, suntan he had yeah. while being a Melbourne boy yeah. living in Bali, yeah. he's going to wrinkle up like a prune. And, you know, that's what you know, a lot of Australians of European extraction, that's how they end up, end, end up as sad. Well, sadly, I, I guess it's up. <laughs> some interpretation. But, look, it, it's true. And I want to come back to something else uh, he mentioned. Uh, he, he said uh, one of the, the, the best places to meet people is at uh, a particular gym whose name is – I'm just getting it up on screen Body now. Body Factory. Body Factory. And the prices at that gym is, yeah, yeah, yeah. is, yeah, yeah. is the, remarkable. The fact that there was a, an, an ad for this gym to, in, in the front half of the video I'm sure is totally coincidental. But um, I guess um, I, I, I want to mention one other thing. So um, the fact that kind of a – like – People like to say, oh, you know, kind of future generations kind of, you know, they're going to be more enlightened kind of like this video has not necessarily kind of reinforced that idea kind of. No, just, just look at these cunts. They're yeah, awful. Yeah, I mean. Like, yes. I mean, some are because there's wonderful people doing fantastic political work. Yes, but not in Bali doing only fans work. I'm sorry. Kind of, this is hardly kind of, you know, kind of our future social enlightenment, you know. 
and kind of, I don't want to be preached to by some people in their 20s who only fans work about kind of earning, you know, doing side hustles and all that kind of rubbish. It's kind of like, you know, this is not actual kind of, you know, <laughs> you know, actual, me- you know. Like, okay, you know. Let's, let's go back to look at that gym. Uh, bronze level, the lowest level, is uh, a little over 2 million rupiah a month. That's 200 Australian dollars a month. Yeah. And whereas for my gym in Chatswood, I pay, what, $50 a month. Right. So already at the bronze level, this is four times the rate of Chatswood in Sydney. Uh, and then uh, we have silver and gold. Let's look at gold. That's uh, – I'm just bringing up the calculator here – 3.7 million rupiah a month. I can see you groaning already. That's $370 Australian a month, though you do get 10% off food and bev at the cafe. I just, I just, hope, <laughs> I just hope they're getting complimentary Coke or something. <laughs> well, this comes back to our original point, doesn't it? Because Ethan does like to party, as is, but hopefully not too, not much, too much. Not too much. Now, okay, uh, I'm definitely not making any suggestions about Ethan in particular, yeah. but I just noticed that... Uh, you know, as soon as you get people who are into fitness, and as we heard, his day consists of working the gym and partying, brackets, and eating. Imagine imagine a fucking conversation with him, right? Imagine dinner with this cunt. But he's 21, kind of, you know, it's like, it's... Yeah, but we both know people who are... 21 or about that age or even younger who would be wonderful to have dinner with because yeah, they're smart but, and they're... Yeah, but no ones who've been to Bali and doing OnlyFans... Like, <laughs> OnlyFans growth. Well, yeah, growth. You know, can't even admit to what they're actually doing. So kind of, that's kind of maybe indicative, but, um, you know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with OnlyFans work, but if this is kind of... If you're going to Bali to do OnlyFans work in a country where they're actually... Suppressing the adult industry at the moment, which is, which is, yeah, that's actually a thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. Like doing adult stuff in Indonesia strikes me as a really poor choice. Yes. Admittedly, this is Bali, and Bali is like a special administrative zone in China. It is a long way from Jakarta. Oh, I mean, and it's hard currency coming in. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Indonesia is still a very regional thing administratively, anyway. And um, but 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 um, I will credit Glenn Garan from Twitter who who actually mentioned kind of. Just the silliness of actually kind of these people admitting to doing adult work in kind of in Indonesia at this time when they're actually trying to suppress it, right? It's just not, it's not smart. But they're only twenty one and twenty two, so I don't, they don't have that political kind of. Well, uh, what? No, sorry, sorry. Um, many Australians struggle to understand that Bali is a part of Indonesia. It's, it's, it's well, well, they do, and I found that interesting because if you see the whole video, it's about twenty minutes, and yeah. he speaks to half a dozen people, yeah. whatever it is. All of them are only there within the last few months. Yeah. They've they've bought, you know, somehow into a shared workspace and it all set up. You, you kind of got to wonder where the money comes from. Yeah. Um, we didn't play in that clip, but Ethan claims he, you know, he he made a million dollars the yeah. other month and stuff like that. I mean. Maybe maybe you're bullshitting. I don't know. I don't want to directly call you a liar, but if you know, I'd like well, to see some um, evidence well, of that. I mean. He's not making a million dollars from just doing promotion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we we know people who've worked in the adult industry. He was shirtless in the entire in the entire clip of that. Kind of to be fair, it was a it was a warm day. 
And and Charlie Chang himself at one point said, "Oh, it's a hot day. I'm getting sweaty." So there's a quick clip of him taking his shirt yeah, off and changing to a fresh it's, shirt, it's, it's, it's which just, I could watch several times. Well, I'm sure you could, but um, but um, but um, it's just as hot in Sydney, just humid. You know, you, you, you don't see people ever doing that. It's not kind of a yeah, yeah. I know, <laughs> it's just bullshit. Yeah, they're all they're all walking around. That's fine, you know, with there, with minimal clothing. Yeah, there's and, nothing wrong with that, but and there is nothing, yeah, but. Yeah, just be honest about it and don't lecture to us about it. Kind of, you know, yes, yes, you're young and hot 10 years' time, you're, you're not going to be young and hot, and trust me, everyone will know. <laughs> or, dear listener, um, perhaps I should do um, a video series about uh, entrepreneurship and podcasting and whatever, and I, I will tell you now, for the right price, I'm prepared to do the whole series shirtless. In speedos, in fact. Dear listeners, um, pay him not to do that. <laughs> Pay him a lot of money not to do that. Thank you very much, Snarky Platypus, for that. Uh, yeah, I shouldn't have done that image, but we'll get on to the, the money thing in a moment. I just want to mention that the next episode, coming up next week, which will wrap up this spring series, I am really pleased uh, to have as my guest Yun Zhang. She is the China Matters Fellow at the Australian Institute uh, of International Affairs. She's been on the pod before. We're going to talk about stuff between Australia and China. Uh, of course, uh, Albo's been there in the last week. Uh, we've, we've, we've seen things happen. Uh, and obviously, look, I don't know whether you know this, but uh, China is broadly important to the global thingamy. Anyway, uh, we're recording with Yun Jiang next week. Uh, if you are a listener who is a supporter and have trigger words or a conversation topic for that episode, please get them to me by Wednesday night this week. That's Wednesday the 15th of October. Oh, not in the night either. Get them to me by 12 midday that day because I'd like to give um, Yun quite a bit of uh, warning uh, about uh, about what we're going to talk about Um She's fantastic. Look her up. Look up Yung Jiang. She's had a big report out this week, which I haven't read yet. She'll be, she'll be fun. Anyway, this podcast is supported by you, the generous listener. And if you're listening to this uh, now, of course you're listening to it now. Um, that's, how, that's how it works. You're always listening to it now. But if, if you are further in the future than I am, um, I'll give you a hint in a minute. Anyway, right, <laughs> what am I even saying, right now, I am running a crowdfunding campaign called the 9pm Summer Series 2023. It's to, to do a summer series of the podcast and maybe some more episodes of the 8pm quiz over summer. I won't crap on about it now. Go to the 9pmedic.com slash summer 2023. That's the 9pmedic.com slash summer 2023. And all the details are there. Uh that that's fabulous. Uh, thank you. And now, back to the pod. Well, Mr. Platypus, it is time for trigger words. Mm. Uh, as regular listeners uh, to the pod will know, uh, this is the glass jar of transparency, which normally contains folded up pieces of paper, each one containing a word sent in, sent in by a supporter in the hope that it will trigger a conversation. Except what do you notice about the uh, glass jar of transparency today? It's empty. It is empty. This is very sad. I explained last time this is either 
because I've I've lost the contents and and folks who are still owed a trigger word that hasn't been done on the pod yet uh, get in touch. Or or I think actually that I've used up those that have been sent in so far. There's others uh, who haven't sent them in yet. If you still have one as a credit, that is if you uh, bought a thing which gets you a trigger word, three trigger words in the last year, um, let me know. But you know what we're going to do, don't you, Platypus? The fucking random word generator. (laughs) The random word generator, randomword.com. And our word today is... Calescence to increase in heat. It's hot. It's hot. Hot. Should we do global warming? Should we do how we react to the weather? Let's do weather. All right. It's it's meant to be hotter during this, I guess, spring summer, right? But yep. Kind of- We're recording this on uh, on Saturday. It's in Sydney. It's about six degrees above average, yes. and we've been tracking that for some months now, and. Surprise, surprise, it turns out that most days are significantly above average for for that time. It is, but um it's it's not reaching the I guess the extremes of the of the 2015 El Nino, which was quite extreme. So kind of, uh, it was. That yeah. was not fun. Yeah. So it look, looks like we're not gonna reach that level of kind of extreme heat. I, I can say uh, from someone looking at the Adelaide figures, like in February in Adelaide, back when I was a kid. You would have in February one or two days above 40 degrees maybe. Now it's a week of that starting in December. Yep. So, I mean, so I, I have been doing a bit of, I guess, w- weather nerdery lately, but um, I guess but I'm hot. But um, it's going to be an unpleasant El Nino, but not an ex- not like a, like a worst ever El Nino. And Is that your prediction? No. Actually, NASA have actually had. On oh, NASA? What yeah, would they yeah, know? Yeah, I know. No, uh, they've actually measured ocean temperature. So, so as you know, in Mexico, like a month or two ago, right, there was that big Category Five hurricane. Yes, that that generated off the coast of like West Mexico, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the warmer waters are clearly having an effect. Absolutely. But the warmer, but the waters are not warming kind of to the extent that it was in 2015. So kind of the weather patterns are changing. So yeah, I've noticed. Yeah, but what we describe as El Nino is not really an El Nino. It'll be something else, right? We don't understand it fully. Well, it is quite yet, but it's going to change, right? I, th- I think there's one thing uh, that we can absolutely rely on is that the hotter it gets, the harder it'll fuck you. I guess. Well, I, I hadn't expected uh, that word to, yeah. to do so well. Um, so I'm going to go a second one right. from randomword.com, and it is sidereal. Sidereal. I thought it was sidereal, but anyway, sent from the stars, ominous or evil. Yeah, I'm kind of vaguely familiar with this word. Mm. Um, I just realised sidereal refers to the sun. It is used in astronomy, but with an an additional E in it somewhere. Well, I realise sidereal uh, refers to the sidereal day, which is uh, the length of the day on Earth with respect to the stars as opposed to the length of the day with respect to the sun, and they're slightly different. So sidereal, sidereal, sent from the stars, ominous or evil. Uh, What's wrong with the stars? What what, what do you mean, what's wrong with the stars? Yeah, what's wrong with the stars, you know? Well, they they portend things. We know that Virgos are cunts, but, you know. (laughs) Virgos are cunts. I would I would like you to say that calmly and clearly again so I can use that soundbite at the front of the episode. 
So we know that Virgo is a cunt. That's the grab. Anyway. <laughs> where were we? Oh, the evil from the stars. Yeah. No, well, Virgo is a cunt. So. Well, yeah, yeah, we've established yeah. that. We all know that. Everyone knows yeah. that. <laughs> that kind of, I don't really understand where that's coming from. Okay. I was only going to do two, but that was Lupicide, the killing of a wolf. Are we going to do the song? Um, I was going to try to sing it, but I didn't realize that I, I, I actually couldn't sing it. So, it has that whole instrumental intro. Oh, no, but it's not it. I'll it's, bring the lyrics up. Yeah, I'll but, bring the lyrics but up. But it's the visuals. The visuals are the iconic thing, in my opinion, because I'm, I mean, the song is just kind of just early 80s, mid 80s, just pop, kind of pop rock stuff. I, I mean, it is. I, I, I can't really play a grab because copyright. Life and thing. <laughs> Duck in the city, night is a wire. What that means. Steam in the subway, earth is a fire. Do, 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 do. Oh, God, do. the lyrics are worse than I remember. <laughs> Woman, you want me, give me a sign and catch my breathing even closer behind. Do, 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 do. I can't be bothered counting them. In touch with the ground, I'm on the hunt after you. Smell like I sound, I'm lost in a crowd and I'm hungry like the wolf. Straddle the line in discord and rhyme. I'm on the hunt, I'm after you. Mouth is alive with juices like wine and I'm hungry like the wolf. Did you know his future wife was a model in that video? Simon LeBon's future wife. Simon LeBon, okay. Yep. I, th- I suspect, although I, I don't fully remember, but I suspect that I was one of the people who thought Simon LeBon was the hotness. Well, he was. <laughs> but I've seen him recently and, yeah, kind of, uh, you know, um, Edge is harsh to some people, but uh, harsher than most stars <laughs> and kind of a, yeah, kind of a... Stalked in the forest too close to hide, I'll be upon you by the moonlight side. Do, 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 yeah, do, do, do. Let's not focus on the lyrics. Um, the High lyrics- blood drumming <laughs> on your skin, it's so tight. You feel my heat, I'm just a moment behind. Do, do, do. The lyrics do, are do, very do. banal. <laughs> it's actually kind of, it's the experience. Like, <laughs> to sound like a wanker. <laughs> to sound like a wanker, it's the experience more than the lyrics. <laughs> Oh my god! Let's not do any more random words. Yeah. Let me go back to the. Uh, <laughs> let me go uh, back to the script. <coughs> Elephant stamp time. Elephant stamp time. Each episode on this podcast, brackets sometimes, I award elephant stamps of approval for excellence in the category of thinking. I have two today and I've invited Snarky Platypus to choose two as well. But I'm going to go first. Right. And my first elephant stamp goes to America's Mike Johnson. He's the new Speaker of the House of Representatives after much drama, which I won't go into here. Here's a clip from last year, though, where he's talking about a software tool called Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is the software that I, I we've been using a long time in our household. Uh, I was I first learned about it at, I think, a Promise Keepers event in the early 2000s. I think it was developed in about the year 2000. Uh, but it's the largest um, accountability software that there is. And, and there's some paperwork out there on the table that I think everybody may have picked up on the way in. If not, go get it. I, it's a subscription-based, I mean, we don't make any money on this. I'm telling you, I, we use it, okay? I, they're not, I'm, not in, I'm endorsing it because I'm a user. Uh, it's about $15 a month, $16 a month, something like that. And you get up to 10 devices. And what it is, it's accountability software. So 
uh, men in a church, you know, men's Bible study groups will do it. That's how it's presented at Promise Keepers. But they also mentioned, hey, when your kids become teenagers, especially if you have boys, dads, they're talking to the guys at this event, you might want to think about doing this with your sons. And so we've been doing that. And so what it does real, real simply is it has an algorithm and software. I'm, it's way above my head how it works, but um, it, it scans. You, you obviously opt into it, but it scans every all the activity on your phone or your devices, your laptop, tablet, what have you. We do all of it. And then it sends a report to your accountability partner. So my accountability partner right now is Jack, my son, right? And so he's 17. So he and I get a report of all the things that are on our phones or all of our devices once a week. If anything objectionable comes up, your accountability partner gets an immediate notice. I'm proud to tell you my son has he's got a clean slate, all right? Yeah. But but we get we get a report and it says, hey, no, no uh, activity of concern. And it's really, really sensitive. It'll pick up almost anything. It looks for keywords, search terms, and also images. And it will send your accountability partner a blurred uh, picture of the image. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was wanting to come in after that grab with a really witty comment. But would 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 you choose an accountability partner um, and send them a report on all of the suspicious activities on your devices? Well, I mean, I mean, can I relate? I'm not to, hearing a no. Um, can I relate to anecdotes to my personal experience? And my dad's probably going to kill me after this. But, um, um, also, your dad's a lovely man. As um, a child, I I did discover my dad's um, porn bash, collection. Bash, yes. yes. And I can assure you, listeners, that kind of um, – we have different sexualities. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've heard that your father is in fact heterosexual. Yes. But the other thing kind of um, – so, um, Is that you are not. <laughs> yes. But I discovered – yes. I discovered my parents' copy of um, The Joy of – I mean, yeah, well, What do you mean discovered their copy of The Joy of Sex? sex it's yes. right there on the fucking bookshelf in the living room. I've been <laughs> <laughs> well, it's no longer there. Anyway. So. Really? No. <laughs> Oh, oh, hello. <laughs> have, they, have they taken it back to the bedroom? <laughs> oh, we, we, we are going to get into so much trouble. Yes. But I'm yes. So, um, so listen. So, um, until this, until um, this moment, yeah. I was a really good friend of the Snarky Platypus <laughs> family. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe not so much yeah. after today. I will relate another story about my coming out story, but it's relevant. Kind of, uh, mm -hmm. So I didn't come out intentionally. So... Um, <laughs> So when I was in year 11 high school, I was 16. So um, so because for reasons which I don't really understand to this day and looking back, it's like, what the fuck, you idiot. But um, but um, so I had porn on my parents' computer. They found it. So Oh, well done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you have your own computer? I did, but it wasn't working for some reason. I mean, I mean, I was, I was, I was a horny teenager. Okay, it, it happened. No, I've been there. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure that nearly everyone listening to this podcast was at some point, to a greater or lesser extent, a, a horny, horny teenager. teenager. I guess to to my advantage, it, it, yeah, it it worked out fine. But it was a it was a moment in our relationship. <laughs> anyway, so. So now that I've kind of just exposed everything about pornography, my parents and everything kind of <laughs> Well, here's the thing. If you do that, and now, now, all right, you don't have the same really strange American Christian <laughs> yeah, fundamentalist yeah, yeah. thing about sexuality. Well, quite the opposite, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed. Um, can you imagine getting a weekly report on your father's porn? Yeah, you're shaking your head. No, yeah, um, I would 
Oh, we need to have very good drugs to, to cope with our things. Well, we, you know, I've linked to this. Um, there's an excellent article in Rolling Stone looking back at the whole history of this thing called Covenant Eyes, which sounds like an awful Bonnie Tyler song almost. If only. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's mine. Um, elephant stamp to uh, Mike Johnson and son, Speaker of the House of Representatives in the America. Uh, but you want to talk about Amanda Vanstone. Yeah, so Amanda Vanstone in the Canberra Times, and I don't know why they're, they're around, to be honest. But, you well, know, Amanda like, Vanstone used to be our immigration minister back in back in the day, back yeah, in the Howard yeah, government. Um, yeah, 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 but, um, yeah, so... Um, Ish Madeleine, I know she her. She is, yep, <laughs> unfortunately. Yes. Uh. She wrote an article about multiculturalism and trying, trying to defend... Howard's conception of multiculturalism. John Howard, as Prime Minister, is on the record as saying in the last couple of weeks that he thought multiculturalism is a big mistake somehow, that people should assimilate. One of my first political memories is John Howard saying that Asian immigrants could never assimilate into Australian society. Because? Mm. Because... Feels. (laughs) Because feels. Feels. Yeah, right. Whereas... History has proven him otherwise, right? Literally, right? And yeah. that's, to be honest, that's, that's, it's defined one of, I guess, part of my political existence to the day, that the fact he said that. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it's, it's fair to say that many of the things people find difficult to deal with today about race, yeah. about culture, about things, do date from the John Howard era. Yeah. But I guess to I guess expand on what Matt that well, said, Labor invented the fucking offshore shit. So don't get yeah. away with that, you lefty cunt. Yeah, Paul Paul Keating, the Paul saint. Keating. The Hang saint. on, I'm just going to drop my trousers. You mentioned Paul Keating. <laughs> oh God, I was literally going to do it, wasn't I? I'm not. <laughs> he he dropped them for Sahado. <laughs> Keating did not me. Not Keating. Yes, yes. How about that? Paul Keating managed to arrange through Sahado. A pig farm in an, a Muslim country. That's probably another entire podcast. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is, yeah. that is. Anyway, so, um, a man of and multiculturalism. So, I mean, nothing too different from the usual old white person around um, about multiculturalism. You know, you know mm. I will rant about these migrants kind of threatening a culture, but I will never mention, I guess, kind of the Anglo culture that kind of suppressed the First Nation culture here. And, you know, I will not. Oh, we know. haven't actually said what she said. We don't, I'm, I'm getting it now. Yeah, but we don't kind of need to because kind of like, it's kind of it's really the generic kind of rant to be honest. Kind of a, okay. The headline, and this is from a Canberra Times, and it, it is an actual quote from from this is yeah. the headline: "Multicultural means you come and share your culture, not impose yeah. it." Um, the British did that in yeah, uh, so yeah, 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 1788, yeah, yeah, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. They, so, yeah. they didn't impose yeah. their culture. Yeah. So yeah. So what happened since like yeah. What's happened since colonization, right? Kind of, you know, did the Brits come here to to kind of merge the culture with kind of the First Nations culture? No, quite clearly not, right? So kind of, and the whole article, like, just the way she frames it, it's kind of like, it's the usual racist bullshit kind of, I won't mention that Anglo-Irish culture is a dominant culture here, but I'll just imply it in a very heavy sense, right? That's kind of a... <laughs> well, yeah, the other thing is is that it, it portrays as you bring your culture and we will we will take from that what we want. The food. It's always about the food, yeah, isn't oh it? Oh, no. They, they want our food so badly, but they don't want the actual people, right? That's the truth, To right? be fair, the food's really good. 
Because Anglo-Irish food is not totally shit, but, you know, one out of five. Boiled tripe in white sauce. Sure, but also black pudding. Yeah, but. And I know you like black pudding because when I suggested a Christmas pudding, except it's made of black pudding, you, you just started salivating. Yeah, but also, like. Chinese culture has actually very good kind of foods on that line, kind of a... Oh, you and your fucking Chinese. (laughs) (laughs) Always on about Chinese this and Chinese that. (laughs) I suppose you've got an excuse. (laughs) But then she uses, like, an example of, I guess, intercultural breeding later. It's just European cultures breeding. Oh, please don't use the words Amanda (laughs) Vanstone and intercultural breeding in the same (laughs) sentence. She makes the the Dutch and Italians and, again, I'm thinking, like, so you really can't imagine, like, a a Chinese or, like, a Vietnamese or, like, an Indian or, like, an Indian person actually kind of, kind of, kind of having children with with a European person. It's kind of... Ah, oh, you're right. I, I I've just been distracted because yeah. I'm looking at the notes um, yeah. in the running sheet, and you refer to Amanda Vanstone and the WAP, um, which which I now realise yes. you meant white Australian Same policy, policy <laughs> not the wet thing. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll edit, I'll edit this somehow. Yeah. Pour another drink. Pour another drink. No, no, we need more wine. Yeah, I know. There is more wine. Um, I'm going to give my next elephant stamp to the Bored Ape Yacht Club. You know those guys, they did NFTs, um, non-fungible tokens, all this bullshit digital art thing, and every single one of the NFTs they created was some sort of Bored Ape graphic and they all imagined they were um, millionaires suddenly out this shit. Well, uh, here's a report. I, I will explain this with a, a report from uh, Driftor. Drift, Driftor, but with a zero instead yeah. of an O. And he is from Plano, Texas, because of course he is. And he's been a content creator since 2008, because of course he has. Uh, here's his report from the other day. The Bored Ape NFT community is in shambles today after partygoers at ApeFest blame UV lights at the event for burned eyes and skin. And I wish I could tell you this was a joke, but it's not. Apparently this past weekend, there was a large and exclusive party called ApeFest. It was even sponsored by BMW, because I guess they assume that all these people are rich. And while it's not on a yacht, as you can see from the video, it is on a boat, it's very, uh, lots of bright neon lights, lots of lasers, lots of crazy stuff going on for the party. But the problem is after people were there for a super long time, (laughs) the tweets like this started coming in. Anybody else's eyes burning from last night? Woke up at 3 a.m. with extreme pain and ended up in the ER. (laughs) Saw a couple of reports. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh at people's misery, okay? That's not quite right, but I just, The idea of going to a Bored Ape party sponsored by BMW sounds painful enough. It sounds like an entire night full of people trying to explain to me why the NFT market isn't in shambles and why NFTs and AI are the future and a bunch of soon-to-be millionaire types uh, spinning themselves into debt and whatnot. It honestly sounds kind of miserable to me. Maybe I'm projecting my biases outward, but it's funny that even the pain of that can't compare to burning your eyes at the Yacht Club, and uh, God bless. This is so stupid. It's perfect though. It is like very literally perfect. It's a, it's a metaphor in and of itself. It's art becoming reality. Okay, that, 
<laughs> Thank you, Drift Or. Uh, there's a lot to talk about here with the Bored Ape Yacht Club. Uh, I, I will note that in that report, even though it's on XE, he still calls them tweets. Is anyone going to not call them tweets? Of course not. Yeah. No, of course not. But can I just say I'm fucking Americans. <laughs> They're not all Americans. No, but just – and I'm not even talking about – just the attitude of that person kind of towards the whole issue, kind of like, oh, 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 you know, oh. <laughs> Their eyes have been burned yeah, out. Yeah, oh, you know, we have a shit public health system. Oh, you know, kind of, you know, like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. And, and, and look, I know the board ate – Yacht Club is trying to say, look, it's only about 15 people and there were hundreds and hundreds of people there and whatever. And I say, oh, good, good, good. Well done, you. You only had 15 people in ER with yeah. eye damage. And it just shows just, uh, I guess, a regular fell in Hong Kong and PRC. That's right. The party was in Hong Kong yeah. on one of those party boats. Yeah, but kind of a, yeah, what has happened to you? I'm now showing you a, f- a photograph of the party. Do you notice anything about this? It's a very diverse crowd. Uh, could you be more specific? I mean, they're all white men. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I, I. Oh God, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to enlarge. Squid. This. You're gonna have to squid. <laughs> that that guy there with the bag across his shoulder. No, back up, back on the mic. Yeah. Okay, so I spot two or three non-white men there in Hong Kong. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? There, there are other people and white people in Hong Kong. When did this happen? The center of white culture. So you know, obviously, so you know. I, I mean, I don't uh, look. Okay, my Schadenfreude. You know, here we are. We have Schadenfreude wine. Um, cheers. But uh, I will quote from a Guardian story. Uh, it ends, Bored Ape NFTs, a form of crypto asset that is used to certify ownership and authenticity of a digital file, rose to prominence during the pandemic after many celebrities invested in them. However, a recent report found that the vast majority of NFTs are now worthless and that sales had collapsed by 98% since their peak in May 2020. Tulips. So tulips. As I... Uh, you, you were just triggering me, I know, to say that, yes, a former finance minister uh, of uh, the Netherlands who said of the tulip crisis – look it up in history, it's fantastic – the whole tulip inflationary bubble about exotic flowers in the Netherlands, I want to say in the 1600s, maybe the 1700s, at, at least he said at the end of it, you at least had a tulip, a flower that you could grow and enjoy forever. Now – the, the elephant stamp aspect of here, if that wasn't enough, and I need to find the reference, I can't because I did see it, but apparently the UV lights they were using to illuminate the dance floor of all of these men in their 20s and 30s uh, weren't the kind of lights you would use for setting up a party. Right. They were, in fact, the lights that they'd got somehow secondhand, they were the high-intensity UV lights you used to burn the COVID off shopping mall escalator handrails and and things. So these UV lights, this is a rumour. I'll, I'll say very clearly, this is a rumour, but from people who were there, that these were the UV lights you would use to put your hand under for a few seconds and flash the COVID's burned, not for dancing under for two hours. 
So these are the people running the crypto industry, right? Yeah, well, an aspect of it. Yeah, but... Someone else you may have heard who runs the crypto in, uh, industry is Sam Bankster-Fried. No, ba- Bankster-Fried? No, Banksman-Fried. Uh, it doesn't matter. For as, as, uh, as Harry Shurik was a Sam Bankster-Fraud. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, he's been found guilty on all counts. I don't think we have the sentencing yet. I think that's next week. Yeah, it's coming soon, but um. <laughs> Just indicative, right? So kind of a- Elephant stamp of approval to the Bored Ape Yacht yep. Club. Not even a yacht. Okay, and now you want to talk about Kmart, but yep. I want to. I'll just look, I'll just play this story. Kmart has been forced to pull one of its Christmas products from shelves after uproar from the Jewish community. The Australian Jewish Association took issue with the store's $4 Christmas handbag because it says Mary Hammas, which unintentionally reads like a reference to Hamas. Hamas is the terrorist organisation that invaded Israel on October 7, sparking a bloody war which has resulted in the deaths of more than 10,000 Palestinians. A Wes Farmer spokesperson confirmed the Christmas bag had been removed, stating the store got it wrong. I will admit kind of a... I didn't realise the Hamas connection quite early, so it took me a couple of days to understand it. So, I Well, li- I looked at this and I looked at the phone and, and like, it, it's all Christmas imagery yeah. and ham hyphen mass. Like, ham, can I, you put your ham in the... Oh, sorry, I'm interrupting. Um, um, can I admit something very embarrassing? So kind of, um, I thought that problem was... <laughs> like, like you haven't already yeah, in this episode. Yeah, I don't, of course. It's my life anyway, but I'm... Uh, but, um, Ham. I thought the problem was about the ham. <laughs> you know, oh, because oh. ham is not halal. Yeah. Well, not or kosher. kosher sorry, yeah. from the Jewish yeah. side, the Israeli but side. It's not kosher. Well, ham. I didn't realize. It actually well, it depends which Jews you. I didn't to. realize it stood for Hamas till like three days after. Kind of. uh, well, that's 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 the thing. Which I mean, is indicative, right? Indicative. It's indicative, right? H a m hyphen M-A-S yeah. is not H-A-M-A-S, especially not on a bag with holly and Christmas bells. And to be honest, like, you know. And Christmas ham. Yeah. Like, this is a, Christmas yeah. ham is a thing. Yeah. I mean, like, number one, who the fuck cares, right? <laughs> number well, apparently, two. apparently, what the Australian Jewish Association cares. Well, yes, number two. No, so the Australian Jewish Association. Dear listener, just I'm going to pause here and say, if you were about to kick off about anti-Semitism, calm the fuck down because this is not about that. Tell me about the Australian Jewish Association. Okay. So the head of, of the Australian Jewish Association is David Adler. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's been responsible. So you remember Advance Australia? Kind of like- yeah, Advance Australia is the organisation that uh, funded most of the anti um, uh, voice to Parliament campaign. Yep. They funded the No yeah. campaign. Yep. It's run David by David Adler was one of the major funders of that. So. Okay, because Advance Australia is this whole far – well, shall I say far right? Is that fair? Yes. <laughs> All right. Far right. Is it fair to say white supremacist? Well, this is the thing. Like, uh. like Haaretz kind of, you know, a well-known – Haaretz yeah. is uh, the big – English language and Hebrew language, yeah. a news outlet in Israel. Yeah. It's very well respected yeah. both domestically no. and internationally. Yeah. So they they call the Australian Jewish Association a far-right organisation. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. If Haaretz is saying that, I'm happy to but say that. 
This is the embarrassing thing. Like a lot of Australian media organisations have tried to take it at face value, right? Kind of, you know, oh, you know, kind of, you know, oh, you know, oh, you know, they they called you HA. You know, they must be kind of legitimate. Kind of like, no. Nope. But this is like saying the Australian Christian lobby represents all Christians, and they really don't. They're a far right. Yeah, but let's be honest. Kind of, um, Australian media are number one, not that smart. Too very Anglo. So kind of a, you know, they're kind of a. No. I mean, most of them are. Um, some credit to the ABC because some of the younger non-white journalists are starting yeah. to get more on-air roles. Yeah, but just, but just look at The Guardian, for example, or just other organisations. You know, oh, no, I know some non-white people at The Guardian. What, like, well, like three. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to count them. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So the end result of this, though, is that all these people had a major sook yeah. and Kmart took this – Object of which had nothing to do with Hamas, obviously, because <laughs> yeah, Hamas are all in favour of ham. I, I must, I, I, I must admit, um, I did see a quite funny kind of taken on Twitter where kind of someone did a, a kind of a pun on Fatah. If you know, it's kind of Fatah, <laughs> yeah, which is that, which is another um faction in in, in like Palestinian politics. So, <laughs> I yeah, I I. Yeah. Don't understand. Which is that. a very niche pun. <laughs> it's an extremely niche but, pun. But to be honest, it really needed that kind of because this is just bullshit. This <laughs> is bullshit. Yeah. I, I, as an aside, if you want to know something, the, the ABC, and I know the ABC is a terrorist lefty organisation, apparently. Well, uh, I mean, I, mean I, I wish, man. <laughs> um, David Bevins, if you're listening, has done a bunch of episodes Not recently. David Matthew Bevins. Yeah, that bloke. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Bevan, has t- I'm leaving that in. Matthew Bevan has done some. Who's David? Oh, I know who David Bevan is. David Bevan is an ABC journalist in Adelaide. I don't know whether they're related. I know. I know many Bevans. Not. Not. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> Matthew Bevan's "If You're Listening" yeah. series on ABC RN and on the Pod. The last few episodes have been fantastic backgrounders on the players in this, and also um, uh, ABCRN's history podcast. Well, History Informing the News podcast, Revision has done some great episodes. Um, what, it, what I love is that that's not just let's just open the lines and talk to a bunch of people. That is seriously researched documentaries, and particularly if you're listening from Matt Bevan, it's presented in a modern style and – it's snarky. It's fun. Um, yeah, he should get a fucking award for that. And by he seems to be a nice guy. He's from Newcastle. He has four kids because they ended up popping out as twins. And does why am I telling you this? Uh, so <laughs> who who are we giving this to? Came up. It came up. Well, because yeah. you, know, you know why I listen to some r- random white ring white ring Jewish organization. Kind of you know you know there are plenty of kind of. Like, less rando, less right-wing Jewish organisations in Australia, right? Yeah, no, and quite a lot of them. Yeah. 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 And and as I say, you and I both know many Jewish people yeah. who would have, what, what the fuck are you on about yeah. with this? And some of them, dear listener, eat ham. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's a spectrum. Now, dear snarky platypus, 
you wanted to talk about Peep Show. And, and I must admit that started because I started talking about Peep Show, the fantastic, one of the best sitcoms to come out of the UK this millennium, bracket so far. Peep Show began 20 years ago this year. Which, which, and and and, and um, 2003, and, yeah, and, and um, nine series, yes, and um, and um, we, we all feel very old now, I think. <laughs> yes, I know it's like, oh god, peep show, as do everyone involved in that series. But what did you want to say about peep show, right? So, Richard Herring did an interview with Neil Fitzmorris, who played Jeff in peep show. Okay, so Richard Herring, yeah. uh, who's uh, one, one of the elders now British comedy, he has a podcast called Richard Herring's yeah. Leicester Square Theatre yeah. Podcast for a Hillister because it's a callback thing. No, I won't get into it, I'll just link to yeah. it. So, yep, he recently had on Neil, Neil Fitzmaurice, Jeff Heaney, who Wikipedia describes as a colleague and nemesis of Mark's, uh, that's Mark Corrigan, played by David Mitchell, the two frequently clash over af- the affections of Sophie, played by Olivia Coleman. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. It's like superstar, superstar <laughs> now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Jeff's manly, intimidating behaviour serves as a foil to Mark's mild manner well, persona. That's, that's what Mark thinks. That's what, that's what, what Mark Wikipedia says. And that's what Mark thinks, right? Yeah. So. Just as an aside, um, Peep Show is in fact the longest running comedy in Channel 4 history in terms of years on air in the UK. Ran from 2003 to 2015. Um, It still holds up. I watched the whole thing recently. It's a fantastic sitcom starring David Mitchell and Robert Webb, written by Jesse Armstrong and Sam Bain. Look them up. Their writing is fabulous. But back to... um, Oh, you. Yeah, back to you. <laughs> right, okay. Let's remember kind of how Peep Show is positioned, right? So it's from the perception of two people, right? Mm. Mark and Jeremy, right? Yeah, yeah. So make the argument that kind of really kind of a – like Jeff, for Mark's obviously perception, is kind of the villain because, you know, he's he's taking the heroine of the series, kind of stealing her from kind of the hero, right? But Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So this interview, and I, I will link to it. And I'll, I'll so this was a whole interview with with uh, Neil Fitzmaurice, Jeff, um, by by Richard Herring in Rehearsedapuff. Rehearsedapuff. <sighs> you got to do the callback thing. It's yeah. part of the whole thing, and it's an hour conversation. It's really interesting because it talks about a bunch of other things. It's about, but I will link to the five minutes that's about yeah. Peep Show. Should we play the the grab? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it, this is just two minutes yeah. of it. Um, and uh, look, this is this this is just a just a bit yeah. of uh, Richard Herring talking with Neil Fitzmaurice about how they shot Peep Show. It was really a really difficult show to do because the discipline of acting is not to look down the camera lens. Yes, and all of Peep Show was looking down the camera lens. So I would find myself looking at the people standing because what they would do is we when we f- did the first series. They'd made, they constructed a harness and it was a camera lens that went right there in the centre of your eyes and like a kind of harness that went over your head. So they just sort of moved like that because it was all PO. It was originally called POV, the show, which is point of view, but they changed it to PPO. Your... But what happened was when they'd do like a one take, the person had lifted off and they'd have all marks on their head where this <laughs> thing had been. So they'd have to wait for that to go to shoot the reverses. So it became totally impractical to yeah. do it. So it was just a handheld cameraman over the shoulder, and then you would basically have the person saying lines off, so they would be standing right next to them. But because they're standing right next to it, 
the discipline as an actor is, is you would be looking across at them all the time because right. you didn't want to look down the lens. Yeah. But you had to look down the lens. So it was quite a tricky show to do. And when you had stuff that we had, we had a place we all worked in called JLB Credit with the amazing Patterson Joseph who played yeah. Johnson. Just unbelievable actor. Just yeah. incredible. Um, and you had like nine or ten people sitting at a table. It would take a week to do a scene or two scenes because you had to shoot every single POV. Right. So you'd, sh- you'd do this thing to death, you know. So it was, it, was quite a, it was quite a challenge to shoot, but it was an amazing show to be on and it was and amazing to see how it, how it grows. And still does. I still get asked to do like peep show quizzes. Yeah. And these all go around the country and they pack out as a thousand people all shouting, Jeff, you wanker. <laughs> <laughs> this is extraordinary. I like Jeff. I want, I, want, I want him to win. Well, this is the thing. People always say to me, you're so, I mean, he was voted apparently like the Channel 4's worst, biggest comedy baddie or something, right. which is great. But <laughs> for me, it was Mark Corrigan who was the, who was the arsehole of yeah. that show. I mean, he was the opinionated one who sort of slagged everyone off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just kind of found him out a bit. But. Yeah. The actor is right, right? Like, like Mark. He was right. Yeah, Mark is a real arsehole of the show because, uh, you know, Jeff is a, you know, you know, if, if you're serious, kind of like, like Jeff is obnoxious. There's no doubt about it, right? Yeah, yeah, but, he's, a, yeah. he's a bit of a cunt. But... He is, but kind of Mark is a real cunt in the show, right? Well, the way I look at that is that Jeff, oh, God, dear listener, if you haven't watched yeah. the series, watch the, yeah. pa- pause this podcast and then go and watch all yeah. however many series of TV show, 10 or 9 or 10 or whatever, and come back. So Jeff is just about himself. Like, yeah. he just wants to win. He wants Sophie. He wants to win over Mark because yeah. he sees Mark but, as a wimp. But he's just so average. Kind of, you know, kind of, yeah, he's an average scouser. Yeah, he's petty. Which is fine. Yeah. But Mark wants to run everyone else's life. And Mark is a Tory cunt to, to, to put bluntly. So. Um, is he in that series? Would you call him a Tory? Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> he is. And I believe his sister actually pointed out at one stage. So, anyway, so. I mean, oh, oh, his sister in the series, Mark yeah, Corrigan's yeah, sister, not yeah, sister. David Mitchell. No, no, Mark Corrigan's sister. Yes, it's, it's a plot. It's actually a plot line. Yes. It is. It is. I remember yeah. this now um, because oh, no, I won't explain it. Um, Which is why it's probably so glorious, right? Kind I know. Of, yeah. I know the that, levels. The levels. Uh, are kind of, that's why this holds up as one of the best sitcoms of the yes. millennium so far. Yeah. And uh, I do encourage people to look yeah. it up. It's 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 on various streamers. I think it's all on ABC iView yeah. at the moment. Um, it is brilliant. And what I love about it is even though the thing ran for 12 years, those key characters who were friends from university sharing yeah. a flat yeah. end up – this isn't a spoiler. They end up at the end of it 12 years later still sharing a yeah. flat together. Yep. It's sad in a way. Yeah. Um, so, I, I guess, so, I mean, so, so I've got two points here, right? So firstly, kind of... So, you have points. Yes, I have points, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so firstly, where they end up. So, I mean, the series is in Croydon, London, which is kind yes. of like... Well, you've been there. Tell me about Croydon. Oh, no, I've not, I mean, I've passed through there. <laughs> well, you've at least been to London, which I haven't. I, I, I mean, I've... So for the listeners who don't know, I, I live in London for about a year, so I am... Reasonably familiar. You're an expert. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> kind of. Mate, mate, I was in fucking Tanzania for 10 days. I'm an, F- an expert on all African affairs, as you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that yeah. sort of idiot. Croydon, I mean, if you're familiar with the need, kind of like St. Leonard's, but kind of. <laughs> but, <laughs> but 
but if possible, more banal. <laughs> Mate, there's there's not a lot in Sydney that's more banal than St Leonard's. At least St Leonard's is convenient, right? But it's convenient to what? But Croydon is in Zone Six in London. <laughs> what is Zone Six in London? Well, Zone Six is like in Sydney, kind of like like being in Mount Druitt. <laughs> oh really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Because Croydon is in South London. Yeah, yeah. And it's so far south. Well, dear listener, I know a little bit about World War Two history, like Mark Corrigan, funnily enough. So this is a bit embarrassing. But Croydon Airfield was one of the Royal Air Force's fighter bases, and in fact, one of their control centres during the Battle of Britain in 1940. Um, but at that stage, it was outside London. Yeah. Not so much now. Yeah. Croydon is very suburban London now. It's a light rail from Croydon. Whatever. Whereas the Croydon in Sydney is literally just down the road from where we are and less than yeah. less than 10 kilometres yeah. from the I centre mean, of Sydney. I mean, I mean, I live still in, a bit of a hole. I live in London a decade ago. I literally have had the urge to get off at Croydon to explore the area. Where were you living in London? Brixton. Oh, of course you were. Oh, I mean, uh, to be honest, that was, I mean, I loved it. That was, that was awesome. Yeah. Well, of course you did. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was. It was such a good area to live in. I really loved it. So that's kind of, okay. yeah, that, was, that was kind of, yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway. You're right. I think yeah. Mark Corrigan is just the the interfering, controlling asshole in that. Yeah. And he makes some incredibly bad decisions involving young women, involving not-so-young women. Oh, just anyone, right? Yeah. Just kind of, um, and and this is what I love about Peep Show, right? I it never endorses the decisions of its characters, right? No, no. Yeah. We all sit there and watch yeah. them and go, we yeah. we are in their heads because it's all yeah. shot from their yeah. point of view. And this but is all why of us watching yeah. it, we're, we're just shaking our yeah. heads and going, this is fucking awful. Yeah. This is why it stands up, right? Mm. Yeah. It is awkward. And kind of <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's Peep Show. Do you reckon we've talked to people enough? Probably. Should we wrap it up? Yeah. Okay. Snarky Platypus, thank you so much for your time this afternoon thank on you. the podcast. Thank you. Find me a job. Find me a job. <laughs> find the man a job. Um, email me. You know where to find me. I'll send you, if you sign an NDA, I'll send you a LinkedIn link, I suppose. I mean, we, we really don't want to cross the streams, as they would say in the thing. Ah, fuck it. Do the thing. Roll the credits. <laughs> well, that's all the edict for now. Uh, please support the uh, crowdfunder, the 9pm edict.com slash summer 2023. Go to the website for all the links. The next episode is next weekend with Yun Jiang. Please send in your stuff. Until then, I'm still Gurian. Wash your hands. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.